Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. When you post hunting photos on Instagram, they get censored. When you post on Go Wild, you get virtual fist bumps from fellow hunters. When you buy gear on Amazon, you gas up a billionaire spaceship. When you buy gear on Go Wild, we donate to a camp that teaches kids to hunt, fish, and shoot. See the difference? Go Wild is a free social community built by hunters for hunters. Join today at DownloadGoWild.com, and I'll give you 10 bucks just for setting up your account. And you'll keep unlocking Go Wild rewards as you share content, because guess what? We like hunting pictures. Join at DownloadGoWild.com or in the App Store. This is the OKS Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me the freezer. It's your tag. You hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. What up, everybody? Welcome to the OKest Hunter podcast. We're in Wisconsin. Don't you know? Don't you know there? <laughs> what do you know about Wisconsin there, guys? Oh, we hit the wrong button. There you go. <laughs> what did you say, cripes? Ah, uh, cripes. Ah, cripes. Not again. Not again. Damn Don't, it, Bobby. Are you okay? You're yeah. not going to cough and shard again, are you? I'm having a <laughs> like an asthmatic evening. I'm Here like, comes. Str- I'm trying real hard to hold it back. It just keeps happening. But hey, everybody, welcome to the show. Uh, today is Tuesday, December 7th. This is the OKS Hunter podcast, also known as OHP. Yeah, I'm just having some fun right now. Trying to like ease my way into it. Shout out to our partners, Backwoods Grind, for keeping us caffeinated. Use code OHP for 10% off. And cheers to Drop Time Spirits. I've switched up tonight, though. I'm drinking the, I can't pronounce it, Ashwabanan or something. That's, Ash- a, that's a county in Wisconsin. The, no, it's a town. <laughs> Ashwabanan. What Scott is called? Do you know how to say it? It's a, it's a, suburb, a suburb of Green Bay. Uh, Ashentashan. Ashentashan. Hey, it's Ashentashan. Talking like you got a Shentashan in your mouth. American oak, smooth and vibrant scotch. I like scotch. And, you know. Is that the equivalent <laughs> to a duck fart? I don't know. Mm. Probably. Uh, Spartan Forge is our presenting sponsor. I am on Spartan Forge a lot. And then the season kind of died off. And now we're going hunting the Sunday uh, in mm-hmm. Casanovia. Ish. Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's Casanovia. Mm-hmm. We're going to go participate in Doug Duran's Doe Derby. Wow, that's the four Ds if I ever heard them. Wow, Doug Duran's Doe Derby. Derby. Yeah. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Well, actually, it goes from Thursday through Sunday. Yeah, We're so just going up on Sunday. We have in the Southern Farmland Zone, so statewide, and in, we have a an antlerless only hunt that goes from the 9th of December to the 12th of December. Yep. So... The eighth is the last day of muzzleloader season. That's all I got to say about that. And that's all I got to Forest. say about that. Forest. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're gonna go do that. So, but but I was looking at Spartan Forge. Yeah, and what did that tell you those days are looking pretty good. Said so you should go out and hunt. There's full range 
movement, abnormal movement. So, well, you know, gonna be any regardless, Joe walks out be... into a field edge, I'm going to snipe it. And hopefully I get up to 300 yards range. The further, the better, because I want to really feel like I sniped it. You're asking an awful lot. I, these are hopeful desires <laughs> that I, if, if that's how it happens, I'll feel really badass about that. But can you hold your breath? No, I can't. I can't no. even take a breath. <laughs> I, this is a new revelation in my three week saga of being sick. Mm. <laughs> so <Sounds> wonderful. Allergy induced asthma. Forgive me. Greg, you're all the talking today. We have a guest with us, Luke Oswald with Publicly Challenged. He hosts a podcast. So, uh, Luke, how you doing? Pretty good, man. How are you guys? Good. Welcome to the show, right. man. Thanks. Mine are, are just uh, idiotic intro over here. We're just tripping over ourselves, coughing into the mic. I like it. You've got to be okayest at something, right? That's right. Yeah. If anything, it's, yeah, it really is the okayest Hunter podcast. We're really. okayest at everything. <laughs> yep. We definitely downplay things. We set the bar low and we uh, highlight failures. So if any time we can fail, that's a highlight. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I think you got to set the bar, uh, you know, expectations versus reality. Find somewhere in between and match it with your skill level. That sounds good. Yeah. That's a good way to do it's it. It's a good positive way of yeah. doing it. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, Oak, Tree Dream- Oak Tree Dreams is joining us. That's another mouthful. Oak Tree Jeans is what you were going to call them. Oak Tree Dreams is joining us. I say that 10 times fast. Uh, they just put a buck down. Yes, they did. In uh, Vermont, Wisconsin. Vernon, Vermont, one of something. Something I don't know. Be. You're geographically challenged, and they probably put it on there for suckers like you that would think that they shot it in Vermont, but yeah. maybe they did. Who I mean, knows? Vermont. <laughs> I'd be a sweet deer, wouldn't it? I would. So, uh, and you're coming at us from Illinois. Illinois. That is correct. Illinois. I got to learn about Illinois this past season a little bit. Certainly did, and Luke kind of helped me out on some things, so it was very nice of him to reach out and be a good guy. Greg, I'm just kind of curious though. When did you become like a uh, a trophy hunter versus an okayist hunter? <laughs> All I can say is the and, trophy and, is and the eye of the beholder. Yeah. <laughs> and when you pay damn near 500 bucks to go down to the flatland, hopefully kill a big deer, and you don't see one, it's like okay, if I if I shoot this one, then I I you know that's one less chance at hopefully a bigger one. So <laughs> I, I had higher expectations. I already put a dough in the freezer up here. Like, you know, let's, let's look for something big. And yeah, I could have shot a dough. I have, it was a combination license, but and then you shot a buck in your backyard. Well, not well, literally, but no, you know. I'm, I'm talking down there. No, I know. But then you ended up, well, yeah, that was later on, but I had opportunities to harvest does down there. It was warm. We were kind of middle of the trip and it's like, okay, if I shoot one, one, I got to give the head to the DNR, which is whatever. I don't care about that. That's that's part of the conservation effort. They want to know what's going on. But then, two, where the hell do I put it? I'm. It's it's going to get warm and stinky in the back of my truck as I'm riding around <laughs> place to place all across northern Illinois. I have no place to hang it. Super 8 Motel is really not going to be very happy with me if I hang it up in the tree behind their dumpster. So, yeah, I have no <laughs> place to go with it. And I wasn't going to try and burden somebody to, to, hey, can you let me hang my deer in your garage while I'm out gallivanting the countryside? So You could ask me anytime. You could ask me. But what yeah. I think, uh, you got to take a tip from the Westies there a little bit. And, uh, 
you know, quarter it up and throw it in some game bags and put it in a cooler, you know, pack it up, just leave evidence of sex on it. Then you're one step closer because you can't transport across state line either. Right. And that's so now it's just meat. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and it's my (laughs) first time ever doing an out of state hunt and Illinois was where I went. And so there's some things that it was a learning curve. You know, we also learned that half the properties we scouted were doe only up until like halfway through our trip down there. So it would have been a conservation effort to help the state of Illinois take some does off their property, but that's not what we wanted to do. I understand. (laughs) You want to come after those big Illinois bucks, but uh, so far I haven't been able to find them this year either. So (laughs) yeah, I think like I put on one day we walked, we hiked 10 and a half miles and I don't think I really did much hunting. I did more scouting and looking and okay. Found some rubs found some scrapes rubs weren't very big the sign doesn't you know it wasn't real conducive and it was like it was just starting to heat up we were just starting to see scrapes we we're just starting to see fresh rubs and a little bit of grunting and chasing around but it wasn't like years past you know my buddy our other buddy Derek who's usually on the show with us he he's like yeah man this is the weekend you know, every I've been coming down here for the past three, four years, and this weekend is like hot. It's always hot, and it wasn't the case this year. You know, just the weather. You're a bad weather. omen. Yeah, I, <laughs> or I was a bad omen. Okay, it's hunter bad omen. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think it was that. There, there, it seems like there's a lot of factors this year that played into some strange things. Like I've noticed, it seems like they've rutted early this year, which totally weird i've talked to a few people about it even like a whitetail behavior expert and he kind of agreed the same thing that really seemed like it was an earlier rut the big bucks were chasing earlier and almost in a lockdown period by your you know second week in november first week in november sure which is not typical and then the area you guys chose though they've been hit really hard with cwd to the point where a lot of culling went on too so it made it difficult to find a big mature deer on something that they've baited and, you know, and called a lot of it. So that mm. made it tough. You picked a tough spot, believe it or yeah. not. Cause it used to be, that used to be the Mecca that's, to go. I mean, that's an Eberhart buck, right? You know, that area, but yeah, not, not so much anymore. No. And I mean, we, we put in a lot of time and effort and scouting and we found some sign of big deer, but it wasn't, wasn't like what everybody would come down there and look for so i mean is what it is we we learned a bunch and you know if i if and when i hunt illinois again it'll be further south or you know or you and i hook up and we try to figure out a piece and maybe we find one or two good bucks down there i say i say come down come down and see me uh sometime this month if you can make it happen that'd be awesome we'll uh we'll definitely have to try and get out just make it a long weekend or something Right. What's your, uh, do you guys have another gun season coming up or? So gun, gun season is over other than muzzleloader, but you can okay. actually bow hunt. I think there's, you know, I don't really pay a whole lot attention of attention to it. Cause normally I'm tagged out by now, but, <laughs> um, yeah. So I think it's, uh, I think it's either this weekend or next weekend is muzzleloader season. And then that's the end of the gun season until the very back end of the season where anybody who's got an unfilled tag in any county that has an antlerless or 
it used to be an antlerless, but now it's like a, an antlerless late season, so you can actually shoot a buck as well. And then they've and then they've got a CWD season too, in counties that have CWD, so you can fill a tag then. Well, I think it's interesting that you're talking about an early rut. I saw that similar activity yeah. earlier than I expected it. Um, my dad too, and a few other folks, and we talked to people. So we're in the space, so we hear a lot, see a lot. We're paying attention to it, uh, but then. What I'm seeing right now is deer are shedding their antlers already. Does that seem abnormally early too? And is that correlated to an early rut? I don't know. I'm asking, just throwing Oof. it out there to see if anyone listening has any input on it. But yeah. I, I would be curious Even about our, that. Our, uh, our, our other buddies from Illinois, um, they... The Whitetail Experience? Not Whitetail Experience. Oh, who else down there? Whitetail Experience is in Ohio. Ohio. They, okay. <laughs> don't Geographically talk challenged. <laughs> Keep me away from anything oh, that has to do with man. the state. <laughs> man, I can pick out terrain features. I can't pick out the, the states. Oh, boy. Well, anyway, go on, Greg. I'm sorry. Whitetail Legacy. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know. They're Illinois. Yep. Yeah, they're further south than what Luke is. They're and... a lot further south than me, aren't they? Yeah, and they found they found a match set already from this year. That's right. Ryan did. So, Ryan did. Yep. Homie. Yep. So A big pair of freaking matching set. Yeah. yeah it's, and yeah, it's a one. Hopefully it was from last year. <laughs> but yeah, Steph, Steph says uh, working class too. Is They're down, down here there. in Illinois. We got to, yeah. can't forget about them. But even yep. in PA, like uh, Johnny Stewart was finding sheds yesterday. Yeah, but he, I, maybe they're older. Him, he said it was last year's shed. Okay. So yeah. But I have seen others like posting pictures of like the, the who the hell posted the deer with the, it was like a buck bed, and then the antlers were right there in the bed. I don't think that was White to Legacy. I think that was someone else. Yeah, I, but that's what I mean. I've been Legacy. seeing more though. There's other ones. Well, another guy from up by Green Bay. Did oh, they killed. So I saw a kill a, a buck that was tagged, but its antler had fallen off right at the base. Yeah, I don't know. That's There's terrible. Some... <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I'd be like, no. You got to tape it on Can there. Can you imagine? <laughs> and so the worst part about that is, is I've never scored a deer. Right? Never really cared. Never. Right. had anything that I was like, oh man, I need to score that. You know, it either looks cool or it doesn't in my book. But can you imagine chasing a buck, not getting it, and then going all the way into late season, shooting it, and it either falls down, drops, whatever, and now you can't even score it because the antlers have to be on the skull plate in order to score right. it. So you can't get an official score. <laughs> that would be terrible for somebody who who wants to do that. Yeah, if that's their life goal is to get one in the book, I mean, that's that's kind of a, a rough shake, especially and it's a risky <laughs> yeah. game late. I mean, I've I've yeah. had I've well had that, that half rack bucks come in half rack, yeah, and that'd be great to shoot them, but it's uh, well, and I think home, was a homie with White Tail Legacy. He had said like this is a defense mechanism for this buck. He's yeah. like. I'm not getting shot. I'm shedding these antlers. Like, right. No one's going to shoot it. Well, they might if they think it's a doe. And at that point, I don't. Right. Do you take it as a doe? I think. Yeah. I don't know. There's no antlers. So, on I, it. I believe so. Like part of that late season is an antlerless season and you can shoot a buck or a doe as long as it doesn't have antlers. So um, I guess that would be considered an antlerless, you know, or you could burn right. whatever tank you've got in what? either sex or whatever. Yeah. What pronoun is that deer using? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I'm not going down that path. It is a little comical. Go, I identify as a doe now. Don't shoot me. <laughs> science is science. Just trust the science. That's uh, just trust. Yeah, what that's what you right. got to do there. So 
<laughs> you you obviously host the Publicly Challenged podcast. Tell us a little bit about that and how your season's going, and then we can kind of go from there. So what's cool about being publicly challenged is uh, with the hunting, fishing, and foraging, your season's all year round. So it's not just deer hunting or whatever, um, you know, anything from squirrels to upland game and rabbits and whatever. It's, it's, it's all fair game. And uh, when you're publicly challenged, you need to be an opportunist because uh, you never know what you're going to get or come home with. So, um, I mean, like a couple of times last year and going out and it was weird, it was unusually warm and never got a deer, but I came home with a bunch of hen of the woods mushrooms and it happened once this year too. So my first time out, I think it was my first time out on one of my favorite pieces of property. There was a big stand of oaks, some big, big river bottom oaks. And I was like, you know, I got to swing by there, even if I'm not swung by there, filled up like four game bags full of uh, hen of the woods mushrooms and then uh, proceeded to hunt, didn't get anything. And I went home. At least I had something. So it works out. Yeah. On a side note, what are you doing with those to cook those up? Oh, geez. All kinds of things. But, uh, right. That's something different. No, Hannah no, that's was in a puff ball. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Luke. I get so. Hen- them. <laughs> so hen of the woods, also known as sheep's head or maitake mushrooms. Um, they, they grow in the fall. They primarily grow on oak trees. Um, they have, uh, I guess it would be a mycorrhizal or mycelial relationship with the roots of the oak trees and uh, delicious mushroom highly prized. You can grow it if you have cultures of it. Um, you can actually grow it in an oak substrate and plant it in your backyard, wait like two years and you might get some, but it's more fun for me to go out on the public lands and find them that way. And then it's kind of like hunting, right? Um, I got some pictures on my Instagram profile that actually show, and I got my bow next to it. And somebody asked her like, what kind of uh, hunting are you doing there? And I said, I'm an opportunist. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm, surprised while i was down there how many no mushroom hunting but open to bow hunter signs i saw oh wow yeah they actually in the springtime they uh and i think part of the reason why they do it like in illinois you're not hunting and and putting the turkeys to bed i think it ends at like one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon okay and they limit mushroom hunting so you limit the mushroom hunting to in the afternoon after two o'clock only. So that way everybody gets a chance to get out and get in the woods and do what they're after. That's all right. It's okay. I mean, it kind of it sucks because you can't put a turkey on the roost. You no. know, nothing says you can't drive around with a hoot howl in your window down and, and start blowing on that call a little bit and see if you can kind of locate them. But, you know, whatever you got to do. Or just pull up next to where you think one might be uh, roosting and just slam your car door real loud. <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes. You guys ever set up in a tree stand and realize you're right next to a roost? I have. I'll scare the crap out of you. I'm going to have a heart attack. Yeah. Be careful that kind of crap. Yep. <laughs> I have done that. My buddy Greg, was up. <laughs> who, who never had hunted, uh, and we didn't think to tell him about anything like that. But he was walking in, you know, dark hundred and came upon some turkeys coming out of roost during gray light. And he about crapped his pants. I mean, he pulled, he's like, what the f- is going on? He called, I don't think he called anything, called them like jungle monsters. He's like, dude, all of a sudden there's this loud crazy. He's like, I about had a heart attack. And he's, he's a Marine. He's like, you know, oh my God, what's going on? It scared the crap out of him. It was pretty funny. He's I, like, why didn't you get warn me about that? Well, I don't, we didn't know you were going to run into turkeys. Who knows? I don't know. 
Yeah, I was tracking a deer one time through some pine trees and there was turkeys shot real early in the morning, first light. And I thought it was a really good hit, got down, started going after it right away. And I'm tracking through some pine trees and all of a sudden turkeys come off the roost. Didn't know what it was. I thought a helicopter was literally landing on me. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Yeah, you're not expecting it. They're not quiet about anything they do. No, they're freaking loud. I had a, I had a flock or a, what are they called? Raptors when there's a bunch of them behind me deer hunting this past season. I was like, oh, here comes that buck. It's a flock of turkeys. That's yeah, a flock of turkeys, man. That thing must weigh 200 pounds. Freaking giant freaking <laughs> scratching around. But so yeah, your, your podcast is a bit more broad, uh, you know, foraging, hunting, fishing, more uh, encompassing of the outdoors as a whole. You've had done a good lineup of guests, too. How long have you been at it? Uh, a little over a year, year and a half, something like cool. that. And you decided oh, yeah. you want to do a podcast and get your, get your hat into this whole, you know, rigmarole. You know, um, uh, at the time there definitely wasn't as many podcasts as there are now. That's for sure. No, um, and there wasn't a whole lot that covered all of the things I wanted to talk about. So I thought it was a good idea to try and learn. And that was my biggest thing is I wanted to learn, learn from others who were professionals that could uh, really guide you or at least give you the insight to go the right direction. And uh, what better way than to share all that knowledge and insight that you learn with other people. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with it. Yeah, I think you've done a good job navigating that so far. Um, and so one of the things that I noticed about your mission and, and kind of um, where you're going is you mentioned a lot about, well, I mean, a lot, but I meant you mentioned the word sustainability in your um, about us or what have you. And that's not a word that gets thrown on too much. You know, everyone's looking for tactics and how to do this, how to do that. You talk about learning, but how does sustainability factor in, factor into that for you? I mean, I would assume you use that word very deliberately. And I'm curious to get your thoughts about that in general. And maybe we'll take some calls through people have to yeah. ideas. In, but sure. So like sustainability to me is kind of multifaceted. It's, it's not just sustainability of, the life or what's growing or the herd, but it's also about sustainability of the future for others to hunt. So one of the things we need to kind of look at as a whole or a collective is how can we all get along? How can we make efforts to benefit everything to go forward and then make it fair so everybody gets a slice of that pie, gets to go out foraging, do all these other things and leave enough for the next guy. And that's kind of, you know, where my sustainability approach came from and what I wanted to do and the mission I wanted to achieve is, uh, as far as that goes. So I'm hopefully I'm trying to do a good job. I mean, you know, there's lots of different rules of thumb as far as like foraging goes and sustainability. You don't want to harvest to the point where it's an over harvest and then you don't get regrowth or anything like that. So like when you're harvesting, uh, you know, wild, wild leeks and stuff like that, or, uh, you, you just, you want to take, the leaves instead of actually pulling out the bulb unless it's a giant established patch. And cause, because if you're the only one doing that, it might be okay. But say you've got five, 10 other people that go through, you could decimate that in a year and you won't have any regrowth. I've seen that happen. There's been a few wild leak patches that I've found on public and they've disappeared over a matter of two years because somebody comes along and pulls the bulbs. I must've been seeing yeah. that happen. I haven't found anything anywhere. Or <laughs> I might suggest something else, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I found about a hundred ticks last year when I went morel mushroom hunting. Picked about sixty yeah. of them off the dog. Ugh. 
that was pretty terrible. No, I like that approach. I like when you talk about, you know, whatever's best for the greater good and, and, you know, getting along as an industry, if you want to call it that it's a small world. And sometimes you can get this neck biting the head kind of thing happening when really we we're all on the same team more or less. And so anytime we can be posturing to help one another and be giving rather than, you know, taking and overly competitive, um, when we're trying to do the same stuff, right? We're trying to educate, we're trying to inform, maybe we're trying to entertain, but we're trying to get the people that are in here some value. And we're trying to add value for people that are considering this lifestyle, whether that's the gateway drug of bass fishing that gets you into everything else. That's how it started for me. Or, you know, hunting with a gun that gets you into bow hunting or, you know, doing some more stuff like foraging or even trapping. That's a topic we haven't really talked about either. Yeah, definitely. I mean, trapping is something that I haven't really talked about either. And I think it's something that does need to be preserved because it's almost this tiny little subsect of the hunting culture that is rapidly disappearing. I mean, other than, you know, big places where it's a large revenue stream like Alaska or something, but around here, it's like almost stigmatic to where people, people don't associate that with hunting. Therefore it doesn't really exist anymore. Or it's yeah. barbaric. Well, I, I think it's there's a lot of things affecting it. One, it's a change of the times, and people aren't seeing the need to do so. But it's a very effective way to kind of help control population of, you know, muskrats or I don't know muskrats. You know, invasive other species, inv- coyotes. Well, they're not invasive; they belong there, but it keeps that ecosystem of theirs in check. But you got to look at it too. Rat prices when I was a kid, I'm saying muskrat prices, I would get seven bucks a rat. And that was early 80s, mid to early 80s. And then that market crashed. But then it came back in the early 2000s, like when I was right out of tech school and and working, you know, getting into the trades. I had a buddy in the trades that got me to come along with him. He's like, Hey man, I, I trap. You want to come with and you want to learn some stuff? I'm like, yeah, I haven't, I, you know, my dad used to muskrat and coon trap, but it was all, you know, kind of bears and long springs. He didn't, he didn't do all the stuff that my buddy did with live traps and, and, you know, some of the other cool sets that he did for beaver and whatnot. So I'd never seen that. So I'm like, yeah, let's go do it. So we did. And rat prices in those couple of years were back to five to $7 a rat. They came back. And so I was out there helping him run trap lines. And then he showed me, I didn't have my trapper, trapper safety. I didn't have time to take it, but legally I could, I could harvest coons uh, or trap coons with live traps. So he showed me how to be, get, get real crafty with, with live traps. So I have a ton of confidence in how to trap coons and what baits to use and what not to use to get specifically just raccoons and not, skunks something or, else right? yeah skunks or possums possums will bite on anything but um you know cats keep keep cats and and uh and and, and skunks out of the trap so and i just learned a lot and then you know muskrat trapping you want to become a better hunter take up trapping and i'll tell you why to be able to be effective as a trapper you really got to assess all the details of what you're trapping the whole Mm. whole environment. Like you look at a ditch alongside the road. Okay. It's a ditch. You look around 
And if you know what you're looking for, you'll know, yep, mink, mink run here. Muskrats will be out here. They dive under over here. If you feel underneath the grass, you can feel their path. And holy shit, look at that. You can feel a path down underneath the grass in the water where the, where the muskrats come in. And, oh, there's this hole. Place trap here. You learn how they use their environment, just like you see whitetail using transition lines. Yep. You know? Pinch points, funnels, pin, terrain yep, features. Yep. yep it's, all that. It's, it's very similar, but in a, a smaller smaller way, and it's a bit more intimate to be able to get down on their level mm-hmm. and feel around. Their range is a yep, little smaller. Yep. <laughs> There's more exactly. Of them. Yeah. Exactly. But it's a really awesome way to hone your skills is to get out and trap. And I, I'd love to do it. It's just, it's very time consuming. I mean, we'd run, my buddy Terry ran hundred traps and that's over probably, you know, four or five ditches. Just oh, God, how the hell do you remember all of where that is? That's a whole different topic. But I, I went duck hunting a couple years ago. Another uh, great way. With a friend. Uh, first time ever. Really cool experience. And on the way out, there were guys trapping muskrats. And I think they had 70 in the sled or whatever they had. Yep. Right? They just piled on. I'm like, wow, how many is that? They said, uh, only 70. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean only 70? That looks like a yeah, that's, shit ton of muskrats. It's a lot of muskrats. It's a lot of work, especially if you're going to. But they said only, which well, is like, how many do you expect to get? That seems crazy. If, if they've got that whole marsh set, maybe they've got over 100 traps set out there. Mm-hmm. And they're all tagged and, and flagged. And, and they know where they're going. And they know where they've put all their traps. That's a lot of work, and they're expecting a pretty big bounty. I mean, if you can look out over a flooded marshy area and you see mar- you know, rat huts everywhere, you should be in the money pretty good. Mm. So if they're expecting you know, 100 rats or 200 rats or whatever it was, yeah. 70 isn't a lot. It's still They put forth a lot of effort to get that 70, and then they're going to have a lot of work on the back end by... You, you got to do work with all those you're animals. You're skinning them yeah, out. Yeah. You're stretching them. You're drying them, and then you're getting them ready for market, and then you got to take them in and sell them. Luke, it sounds like maybe your next guest might be a trapper. I think so. I think uh, <laughs> it definitely has to be. Maybe maybe it might be Greg. I don't know, man. How much more can you Clearly. do? Clearly. I'm, I'm, I'm not sitting a trapper. Here and, uh, I'm soaking it all in, man. I It was an awesome experience, man. I mean, I've had a little taste of just about – I don't, I don't want to say everything. I mean, I'm not experienced elk or western hunting per se, but – you're a Midwestern yeah, I mean, outdoorsman. I've done, You're a woodsman. I've done some trapping. I've done a ton of whitetail hunting. I've done upland. I've done, you know, with grouse at my dog. And then pheasants, did a ton of pheasants, rabbits, squirrel, uh, duck and goose, you know, layout, layout hunting for geese. Um, I've gone to Illinois to snow goose. I've gone to South Dakota for snow goose. I've got to experience a little bit. I haven't been super successful at everything. <laughs> There's only so much time in a in a day or a life, you know. It's true. If we could uh, retire now and go hunt and fish the rest of our life and keep our significant others happy, that would be ideal. But that's not how it goes. Meat Eater did an episode, and they've done plenty of episodes. I didn't watch their latest season, but I think a couple of seasons ago they did one where they did beaver trapping, and I thought that was pretty cool. I didn't realize beavers were that damn big. Yeah, that was a pretty neat episode, and he picked up some pretty cool stuff with my parents. My parents' property up north. We we had a guy come in. He wanted to trap beaver, and us and the neighbors gladly let him. He took three sixty pound beavers. Off sixty him. pounds. Sixty pounds. That's bigger than my dog Ed. They're massive. Well, maybe not. But you Close. should have seen all it's the trees they were taken down. I mean, they were they were taken down, you 
know, maples and, and, you know, anything that they like to eat, they were taking trees down that were 12 inches around. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of the trees that I had marked. <laughs> I had the tree marked on my uh, base map and I was going and I was going to get set up and the tree wasn't there anymore. And I was in the dark trying to set up and I was like, where the heck are, there's like four trees in this area. And I know that I was going to get in the middle one. And it wasn't there. And I'm like, where did they go? And I look around and then in the daylight, as the daylight's coming up, as I said, about 20 yards to the east of where I was supposed to be sitting, I look and I see a beaver had taken out those trees. And some of them were, you know, 12, 14 inches in diameter. And I was like, holy cow. I mean, they were just clear in the land. And I mean, granted, they are the stewards of the land in a way, but it kind of made me mad because I right. don't know where the heck I was going to set up. <laughs> it's an okay hunter moment when a beaver takes your trees. <laughs> Three <laughs> I would have thought I was lost. Somebody just posted a meme on one of the deer hunting groups or whatever on an Instagram that the buck was in cahoots with the with a beaver, and it was a picture of dude's ladder stand in a tree that was chewed off by a beaver and laying on the ground. Oh yeah, oh, that's I'm perfect. Cheese mm-hmm. <laughs> with a stand in place. Even <laughs> huh? what's this? I can't eat this metal crap. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Illinois sustainability. To the tune of like being a good steward of the land and not taking things from the root if you can. Um, what else? What else can you tell us about that? Any anything in particular that comes to mind, or do we want to do want to switch gears here? Whatever you want to do. Uh, you want to talk about more sustainability, or or you want to well, talk about well, like I, I got I part got, of the stewardship too. But you go ahead. What's your favorite fish to catch? Favorite fish, honestly, bluegills. Mm. Bluegills. Yeah, looking for a good bluegill. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Sweet, sweet meat. You get some big fat bluegills and uh there's nothing better. But I will say there's a dude up there in Wisconsin, kind of by you guys, that I've been wanting to go out and, and go out with the guy for a while and just never made it. But he's catching Mr. bluegills. No, it's uh Brian Zubke, I think. Yep. Big, actually big beast or something like be- that. Well, maybe you and I need to talk because I know a lot of that water that he fishes and I'm not far away from one of the better bluegill lakes in the area. Yeah, I don't know if you follow Greg on Instagram, just Greg Tubbs, but he, he catches big blue you might want to tell those people this, but you catch some big freaking bluegill. Yeah. I want like, I, I, I want a paper plate size bluegill is what I want. That's my goal. That's my goal in okay. life. <laughs> well, uh see what's going on in May, June and see if you can you can make it up here. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. <laughs> that that'd be awesome. But yeah, my eating boat, bluegills is probably my favorite. Okay. My boat's big enough to fish three comfortably, four or five as a crowd. <laughs> Understand. Green <laughs> your boat. Oh yeah. You should well, get out once Lake, or twice a year. Lake Michigan. Did you get out in Lake Michigan all this year? Mm-hmm. I got out a couple times. I got Derek and Dave out with That's right. Kevin. I just then, couldn't uh, find time to go with you. Then apparently. Derek and I made it out one one morning too. That's a big lake. Yep. Well, I guess what I was going to go is something different other than fish, but uh, I don't know. I, I actually am asking both of you guys this because I'm just curious. And, and based on what we're doing this weekend with uh, Doug Duran and stuff, I'm curious about the relationship between sustainability and conservation and like what the difference is there. So that's, to me, like, I mean, a lot yeah. of times, so a conservation effort is for the greater good of the herd, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when you guys are taking those does because it's a, uh, abnormally large or a boom for a couple of years or something like that. You want to bring that number back down to where there's enough feed for all of them. One, make it through the winter, 
to have health for browse and everything else. So the plants don't get decimated by all these things. And these days, unfortunately, uh, the CWD, right? We want to keep those numbers at a lower population so it doesn't spread as easily. And and that's a hard thing for, I think, a lot of people to accept, for a lot of people to understand grasp. I mean, it was hard for me. I mean, like my, in the county I live in, there was a point to where you knew if you went down this one road, that's not too far from where I live, you were guaranteed to either see a deer or hit a deer. Now, you could look at it from an insurance company standpoint and say, oh, well, you know, the insurance companies want all those deer killed so that way deer vehicle collisions are down. And that may be the case. But at the same time, if your population density is that high, especially in a small concentration of a certain area, the likelihood of spreading that CWD is huge, especially when you have hot spots, kind of like where Greg was actually hunting this year. So it, it makes it tough. It's a tough thing to swallow. But, you know, sometimes you got to look at it from the aspect of do you want to preserve this herd to where, you know, CWD doesn't spread as rapidly and, and maybe not affect other areas. So you can think about other people, too. And that's it's man, it's tough. It's really tough to accept that. But that's part of that sustainability slash, you know, conservation effort is all encompassed in one. That's a great answer. And honestly, that's the other reason we're going up there too. Um, that area is a hotbed for CWD. Um, and like my wife's dad grew up in that area, in that exact area where we're going to be going. And it's funny, like they had a lot, they've always had a lot of deer, but I don't know, probably within the last 10 years, it's nothing to drive around any corner near a hayfield and see a dozen does standing. I mean, we've had just, take a drive up there and go see the old, the old family, family properties. And, you know, one side of the property might have 20 does running around in a field. You don't see one buck. You go down the road another mile, you'll see another dozen does. You, you, you take a right, you know, on highway F and go up and around and, uh, Oh, look, there's, there's another 10 does there, no bucks. So, there's a ton of does to be had up there. I mean, I looked just, I just looked at the DNR website. The harvest data for that. Is there's posted? three, there's th- over 3000 tags still available for that zone. Oh, wow. For, for private land, for public land, there's like 300, 300 tags available. So there's t- plenty of tag availability to go and harvest does, but people don't want to, or it's just lost popularity to go out and hunt for meat. I don't know. Yeah. I wonder how cool. much. No, it's, it's not, not as cool. cool, right? You know, you can't well, have those big horns in your hands. But at the end of the day, the ultimate goal is to fill the freezer and, and fill your mind with memories, right? So yeah, shoot deer, right? Exactly. In the, in the shoot meat, deer. Yeah. And especially if you haven't. If you haven't shot deer, what are you waiting for? Right. Shoot deer. Well, it's interesting, too, because the, the whole field to fork movement that's been happening, and I think COVID helped it quite a bit. Like, people are like, well, I want to get my own meat. I got to imagine that hasn't hurt hunting does. Like, that should have helped doe hunts by and large but you would think i would think but maybe there's not data to support that i'm just going off of speculation this is very subjective for me i'm not i don't have any data to go off of but every zone is different right you know just like your story is different than mine yep you know you are the way you are because of your environment well it's the same thing with deer that up there they're allowed to flourish because people aren't shooting does there's there's little to no public land it's almost all private and you know people are they're burnt out with it, letting people on their land and getting, you know, getting totally bent. 
bent over <laughs> on, <Yeah>. on <laughs> people in there. You know, they, they trash the place or they, they let people on. They don't shoot any does. <laughs> it's not even so much yeah, that, so you know, right. or they're just bad hunters or whatever the case may be, but they've really, they've really messed it up for other people. So, you know, people are guarded about lead, letting, you know, strange people on their land. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You know, guys like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, you know. <laughs> we did get permission to hunt someone's land. So do we got to buy, we we gotta buy uh, private land tags? Yes, we buy private land I think tags. I'm mentioning that. I wouldn't have considered that. I just bought the public. No. is there a difference like up in wisconsin if there's a public and a private tag or yeah well so when you go when you figure out what area you want to hunt in you know say it's dodge county for instance you go you go to buy your tag whether you're resident or non and you automatically get you know for my area i got automatically get two doe tags so your buck tag is good either or public or private doesn't matter statewide your doe tags that's what they're trying to monitor they're trying to monitor that that doe harvest so they say you know okay what county you got to select the county you're going to hunt does in we'll say dodge dodge county doe tags oh yep you're allowed to public or private private oh well we'll give you three Oh, public. Well, you're only going to get one for that county. So they kind of have a way of checking and balancing all of that. Part of the attitude, I think they want the, the, yeah. the more they segment that, the more they're going to have clean, accurate data. So if you're being honest and you are hunting private or public and you're purchasing and denoting your tag that way, then that gives them more, what I would say, clean data to analyze after the fact. Right. Which is good. The better the data, the better the understanding of what's going on with the... Right, and they can go look back and yep. say, you know what, last year, we we probably took too many does off of, public, off of public land. So this year, maybe we'll allow you to take one doe off public land. And I've seen that change. I've had years where I've gotten three doe tags for, for public, and, uh, you know, the next year, it dropped down to two or one. It changes. Yeah, and I mean... That's that's all about once again the overall health of the herd, right? Creating that that healthy balance and uh, allowing you and using that harvest data, which I think is super super important for people to actually report them, be honest about it, you know, let them know where you got it. Um, yep. The guys didn't even want to take a sample of my deer that I got this year because it wasn't in an area that was highly affected by CWD or anything. And I was like, well, you can if you want. And they're like, man, you know. No, it's okay. And I was okay oh, with it because it wasn't really, you know, they were, there was a lot of people checking in deer. And what's cool is, I mean, so you think like last year impacted and stuff, or you would, you would assume anyway that last year impacted uh, harvest numbers and there was a higher harvest number and things like that. But this year we're actually 10,000 ahead so far or something like that for harvest numbers for gun season, which is kind of weird because you talk to a lot of people though. And they're like, I haven't seen anything. 
well, people have to be seeing deer if they're killing, you know, 10,000 more or whatever, but you know, right. where they're seeing them or finding them or the age class maybe might be different. I'm, I, I don't know. I guess time will tell with that, but it's kind of an interesting dynamic that I haven't really seen before that, you know, you talk to everybody and they're like, no, I'm not seeing deer. I'm not seeing deer. And even myself, I had deer on camera and I had big bucks cruising October 15th through like the 25th and then they Same disappeared. Here. They disappeared. And I've yep. tried to find them and I have one skirt me and I'm like, oh, well, I don't need to worry. I'll, I'll see him during the rut. And I think that may have been the rut and I just <laughs> might have missed it. I don't know. Interesting. Well, it seems like, well, I mean, our numbers were down for for this state well, we're down in participation around, with gun though too but we're up in participation with archery if you look yep. at it but harvest numbers but how are, are the harvest numbers are down for both or they're down for down for as gun? a whole for are gun they? for gun yeah really and i think sales were down 1.8 percent or something like that or i have this I we, we, we did an article that. on it so we yeah. have some stats that we pulled from uh you know whatever report was put out and it was down. It was, but it was, there were some interesting things like the, there are more hunters that did go up north. Yeah. Than, the, than so typically. It, our, our harvest numbers for the southern farmland zone, which is usually the highest, was down like 8% from last year or something like that. And then Northwoods like picked up the slack for the, the whole grand total. More deer were harvested, more bucks were harvested in the Northwoods than they were down here, which is, not been the case for quite some time in our history. Do you think it had anything to do with the previous wolf hunt or maybe? Um, maybe. I don't think, I don't think that many wolves is going to put that big of a dent in the population. You know, the amount of wolves that they took out of, out of our population is going to make that big of a difference. I honestly, it was probably just better weather conditions and, and winters and the fact of, they weren't allowing as many does to be killed in the North woods and they still aren't. Um, it was saying I found, I pulled an article, but okay. what I did grab for preliminary stuff, it was uh 2021 harvest numbers for gun were down 14%, 14%. And then the opening week in registration, um, the licenses were down 1.5%. Okay. Hmm. More people were in the North Woods than than historical years, but still overall they were the total numbers were down. So yeah, and just interesting stats, you know. And I thought maybe that would be the case, just given there's an uptick in the COVID thick of it in 2020. I think more people flocked to the outdoors, and so I think maybe it's just resetting. You know, uh, a friend of mine was comparing all that to a tsunami. If a tsunami is going to come you'll notice a detraction in the receding in the water, you know? So, Oh, look at this beach, but the water went down. This is great. We can go hang out. We can be leisurely. This is great. And then what people didn't realize was a giant freaking wave and a surplus coming through. So then everyone got to do all this stuff. And now we're dealing with the supply chain stuff and everything else is kind of a mess. And so we're kind of getting back to like, Oh, everyone has to go back to work and everything is chaotic. And now we're trying to do damage control on that stuff. So as a population, I think we're certainly out of that leisurely, kind of thing that we had going on where it seemed like the calm before the storm, before the wave came, everything kind of detracted. Weird analogy, but I think it fits here a little bit when you consider maybe what happened with people going to the outdoors as much as they were in 2020. So I, yeah. I just would have expected to see a, a slowdown this year. Now, if you were to compare 2019 to 2021, 
I feel like they would look similar. Maybe. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's like, well, that was an asterisk year. Pull, pull the, pull the harvest stats from 2020 once and see. Yeah. Or even 2019 or 2020. Well, for 2021 now. What you're comparing 21 to, right? So you'd have to go 2019 to 2020 and see if there was a, a downward slide on that. So I may I'll try to pull up. So it looks like can't tell. I don't want to go into it. It's too on the fly. I'll like we'll just see. <laughs> I look up. <laughs> and anytime I'm looking at numbers, it's not going to be good for anybody. But maybe we'll do something. We'll do a little write up or something like that. It'd be fun to kind of see what that looks like, just overall. And I wonder what it looks like as a whole for the the U.S. I know the National Deer Alliance puts out harvest reports across the country for each state. So when theirs is done for this year, when it's 2022, and we look back on 2021 you know, that'll give us some more data to go off of some more Intel and that'll be accurate rather than the OKS under podcast trying to spit out numbers. Yeah. I know there's uh, some people out West that are trying to get separate seasons for crossbow hunters for elk hunts and similar hunts like that, because they feel that they are taking and affecting the quota numbers of harvests and that these uh, crossbow hunters are able to take longer shots and do all these different things. And it's impacting the amount of tags that are being drawn and stuff like that. Personally, I don't think that should ever be a thing, right? Because we want all people to get out there and get in the outdoors. Um, if it truly is impact, well, then once again, it's like a health of the herd thing. You, you do what's best. And if it does take away numbers and, uh, I've got a buddy that actually talked about it and he's like, well, you know, it's not fair to these trad hunters. And I said, well, they're the ones who picked up the trad bow. They're the ones that wanted to make it harder, right? They're the ones who <laughs> want to be the, the elitist right. and the purist. And he's like, no, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. And I'm like, no, I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree with you. And we all need to get together and agree on things and, and just get along. Like I said earlier, that we need to get along as a collective and, and do this, you know, well, yeah. but so... And the whole crossbow thing was on the table here in Wisconsin too for last year's. It just means the deer aren't getting injured; they're dying because it's that's a really ethical right. means well, to take an animal. And I look at it too as a guy looks at it and says, "Okay, I know I can be more effective with a crossbow. Okay, I know I'm really not very confident in my ability to shoot a bow, a, a wheeled bow, or a or a trad bow anymore. Maybe my shoulders bump. Maybe I'm just my eyesight's not as good. Whatever it is, there might be some deficiency, or you get a few guys that go." Your glasses are fogged up. Yeah, the, yeah whatever, whatever the case may be. But <laughs> those guys are still getting out there. Those guys are still getting out there, and they want to. They want to be part of the season. Now, if you go and limit that, there's got to be there's a give and take with that. Okay, you're going to give the crossbow hunters this amount of time. You know these days, these dates to to fill their tag. Then typically, that's going to mean the regular bow hunters are probably not getting their start at the same time. Yeah. How is that fair? Yeah. How is that it's fair not. That's, 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 that's fair to everybody. Yep. Bow season yep. is bow season. Yep. You can shit on the guy with the crossbow all you want. He's got just as much work as you do to, to, to try and figure out where those deer are going, where they're coming from. Yeah. And getting within range and getting so within yeah. range. Yeah. Not he's got a more, a he's got more, have your arrow knocked, whatever. He's got more of an effective range and he could be a bit more accurate than you, but you know what? Pony up. Mm -hmm. That's you it. Know? I mean, in my opinion, that's your choice, whatever you want to do and you want to get out there. And so like a lot of the things was, well, that's technically, that's not a bow, right? It's not 
not a means for, you know, the same as a compound bow or a recurve. And I'm like, okay, you could call it that. Yeah. It's got a rifle stock on it, but at the end of the day, what propels that arrow, what, what pushes that arrow forward and gives it the momentum is a string and it's, and it's a limb of some sort. But even, even if that is the case, you still have to think about an ethical shot when you're doing it to kill that animal. It's not a rifle at the end of the day. It's still, and it has to be thought out and you have to determine where you're going to hit that animal and make sure it's a good shot. So either way to me, it's, you know, one form of ethics or another. And we went back and forth for probably about four or five days. And finally I was like, it doesn't matter. You're never going to change my mind. I'll, and there, I can't remember what the podcast is that the guy has. The guy has a podcast and he's done numerous episodes on this topic, but it's something that, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to waver in my thoughts or my beliefs. Fair is fair. However you choose to do it, you know, and, and if you pick it to be harder and you want to make it harder, good on you, but don't complain. Don't complain because somebody else is getting more deer than you and taking away your opportunities. Pick up a crossbow, maybe. <laughs> maybe yeah, that person should a, pick up a crossbow. There's, a, there's it's somewhere between a shotgun and a bow, right? That's how I picture a crossbow. It's not, though. I, try Try picking one up, you know, just put yourself in this, for instance, you're say you're in a, a ground blind or a tree stand, mm -hmm. you got to cock that thing and load it. All right. Then you're trying to pick that thing up and move it. We'll say the deer's behind you in a tree stand. You know how cumbersome that thing is to spin around and, and make a shot. There's, there's give and take with everything you do. I just see like it's not a trad. Oh, then, then bow. Like, you know, the the, yeah. the cams or whatever, like a traditional. When you're talking distance and accuracy, yes. Yeah, that's kind of the way I'm thinking. When and you're that, talking, you're talking like comparing to a gun, no, because I can shoot something at three to 400 yards with my rifle that's not a crossbow ever. Right. So, no. Yeah, I mean, unless, now, Robin, realistically, Robin maybe 100 yards, right? Maybe 100 yards with a crossbow. I mean, that's, uh, that's safe to say if you're an expert shot with it, you, you practice like enough. Really but once again, then you're putting in the work, right? You're putting in that work. And okay. I don't have a problem with somebody putting in work to do that. Now, if somebody's just, you know, taking 10 minutes and sights it in and gets their scope dialed in and then starts winging them and they happen to put them on target, but don't actually practice. Yeah, I have a problem with that. But I have a problem with that if it's a bow or anything else, too. Yep. I didn't. I switched from bow to a compound bow because, well, let's face it. I didn't have time to put in the work to where I felt comfortable enough to go out there every time and, and be to where I knew I was on top of my game with it. So I switched. Now I can right. pick it up and just fling one or two arrows instead of do a hundred a week. Your ethics won over there. You, you decided yeah. it was a smart <laughs> idea not to wound. And I mean, it can happen with a wheeled bow. We know that, but you're more proficient with that, with that compound bow than you are with a trad bow. Yeah, absolutely. And I made that choice, right? And if people want to make the yep. choice to make it harder on themselves, then guess what? Pony up. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. <laughs> These are just common common themes that are that are, you know, talked about throughout the space. And everyone's got strong opinions and that's fine. It's a pretty convicted group of folks, those hunters. We're a bit of a different breed than a lot of other people. We choose to sit in the woods in sub degree temperatures for hours on end in the hopes to shoot a whitetail. So you're gonna get yeah. some hard edged people that are gonna have some strong opinions you're gonna brush up against. That's and, the way it is. You know, it's okay. We're all humans. Um, but again, <laughs> we're on the same team here as a collective that we enjoy this stuff. We enjoy getting out there to do that. So whatever means you're going to take to do it, as long as you're being ethical and following the rules and the regulations, 
do whatever the hell you want. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever I think. I think one of the biggest things though is not only just, and it, it seems hard and, and social media makes it to where everybody can be an elitist or a purist and do their own things and, and kind of, you could, they you could do that. They right. Appear that right. <laughs> but, but everybody needs to come together on that. And not only that, but you need to get all these foragers on board. You need to get anglers on board. We you all need share to the get trappers and share it. You need to get everybody together because it's something that we, I mean, we've already seen it. If you look at Washington, they just lost their spring bear hunt. I mean, it's a real thing and it's, it's way more commonplace than we ever think. And if we don't do something to get together and stop arguing about petty stuff and put aside those differences and whatever we are, we're going to lose more than we have ever lost. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think the enemy's going to do when there's infighting, you know? If I'm going to go flank up on some army and they're all fighting each other, well, then it's a freaking free play. It's like in football when they get, you know, uh, it's free play, baby. You know, they're, oh, well. So, yeah, if we're not, if we're too focused on fighting each other on dumb shit that, you know, doesn't, it's splitting hairs by and large across the board, then it's more, I don't know, there's more room for the enemy to get in there and, well, do what they do, get a foothold, then we'll remove the it. shit, pull the rug out from under us before we ever even realize what's happening. Well, there's plenty of examples out there, but New Mexico just lost, you know, those. there's a bill in legislature that was passed to ban trapping on public lands down there. Hmm. And a lot of people, I know a, lot, a ton of people that trap on public land around me. One thing about the economy and, and walking around bear hunting, like... Someone's getting paid for guide services. What about all the dogs? You know, is there dog hunting with the bears? Like what happens to all that? You know, there, there's an ecosystem and economics in play here too that is going to hurt lives. Not to mention it's going to take away our way of life, the thing that we love the most if that ever goes away. So yeah, that's another big topic too, certainly. And there's folks that I think are doing a good job trying to keep things in place. But we as a collective have to do a good job of just being kind to each other and just chilling out about certain things like i don't care how much your tree stand weighs or if it's a climber or a hang on or if it's <laughs> right calm down we're all in a tree aren't we like i don't care you climb the damn thing use your the ground <laughs> yeah, you know whatever well, yeah so but yeah, yeah it's, good. it's i'm sorry i might have butted in there i couldn't tell no, I, I was just gonna say Let's lighten it up a little bit here, and why don't you share your okay Hunter moment with us and see if we can <laughs> lighten the load. Yeah, for sure. So there was a spot that I saw online that I'd e-scouted, and I, I knew there was deer there, but I didn't know how to get there. And there was water access, and you were allowed to access it from the water. But I didn't have a boat. I had a kayak. And... Couldn't strap my bow. My kayak is a sit-in kayak, so you get in it. I couldn't strap my bow and everything else that I needed, a tree stand and everything, to get up into a tree and have all my equipment. So I got the bright idea that I was going to borrow my buddy's kayak and tow it behind mine. And <laughs> seemed like a legit idea until I get out there and realize that there was some rains a few days before, and it made that water really swift moving. And I contemplated in my head, maybe not go, right? And then I thought, you know what? No way. I'm not going to let this stop me from getting in there and maybe kill one of the biggest deer I've ever killed in my life. So I get in there. I shove off. Actually, one of, one of the boat launches was frozen over. And there's a guy that lived there and he goes, 
you going out kayaking? I said, yeah. And he goes, you're going to have a hard time getting through that ice. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, probably. So he, he goes, go, go over here a little bit further down. There's another launch you can put in. He goes, just stay on the main body of the river and you won't have any problems. I'm like, okay. So I put in and I'm like, man, this isn't too bad. It's real easy, right? I'm just kind of paddling along. I get to my spot. Are you going soon downstream? As I get there, downstream. Yeah. yeah right. Didn't great. even think didn't even think about the fact that you know it was easy getting downstream, but you know, that water's moving pretty quick. Didn't care at the time though. I wanted to get there. I wanted to hunt. Mind you, this is an afternoon hunt too. I didn't I didn't mention that. It sounds like a big river. It's it's actually not a big river. It's real windy and so, so the river actually picks up speed in some of these turns and, and uh but anyway, so I'm paddling, paddling along, get to where I need to be. Soon as I get out of the boat and I, I start pulling it up on, onto the bank a little bit, boom, spike buck runs by me. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Hurry up, get all my stuff. Two does run past me. I'm like, this is crazy. So then I get up and I see another little buck, little forky buck. And I'm like, okay. So I go and I get my decoy. And I'm walking with my bow and my decoy in my hand. And I didn't plan this out too good either because I didn't have an arrow knocked yet. I've got my bow in my hand, decoy, and I'm holding the sticks that you put in the ground with it. And I'm there. And all of a sudden, this little forky starts looking at me and putting his head down. And it's another buck, but he's about ready to start charging this other buck. And I'm holding my phone trying to video him. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is awesome. I need one of those things that go on my bow that you can actually hold and shoot come yeah. in handy a couple of times but so that thing goes on for a while and then i started thinking about it i'm like what if he did actually come at me what am i going to do stab him with an arrow or something but so i get up in the tree i hunt the rest of the day waiting on a big buck get back down it's dark now i get all my stuff packed up and i start paddling out well on this little inlet i was in it was fine until i get to the main river and i paddle for 45 minutes with just a headlamp on for 45 minutes, and I got maybe maybe a few hundred yards because I was paddling against the current. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, I know there's if a you dam. Stop, you like lose all your ground. If you yeah, I did. Lost yeah, yards. It was it was it was paddling so hard that I thought my arms were going to fall off, but I knew I had to keep going. And finally, I hear a hum of a motor, and I'm like, Oh, thank God. And this guy comes along and he pulls up next to me and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, I was out deer hunting. And he goes, are you kidding me? Like, what, what were you thinking? And I said, I was thinking I wanted to get to a really good spot. And I got there. And he goes, you know, he goes, so he gets out his phone and he snaps a picture. He's like, I got to show people this. And he goes, to be honest, like, I'd have a hard time. If He goes, if you would if you would have had a big buck in there, I don't even know if I would have helped you. <laughs> I would have just let you go because I would have been jealous of you. But he was joking, of course. And uh, he told me back to the boat launch. And and I said, man, I, I'll pay you whatever you want. I'm so thankful you could do that. And he goes, you know what? He goes, we're all sportsmen. We're all out here trying to accomplish the same thing. And I got to give you props because you probably got the biggest set of balls I've ever seen. Or you're really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. He, that's man, awesome. that's one of those moments like as a dad, you're probably thinking, oh, shit, this wasn't this could end badly. This could Absolutely. go bad. 
And absolutely, thank God that guy was there. He he might have he may have saved your life. You don't even know it. That's pretty. That's pretty yeah. cool. But it's also funny as shit. But that's definitely one of my biggest okayest moments. Is this it here? Oh, 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 gosh. Where's my button? I don't know where it is. Okayest Hunter. Oh my God! Sorry, everybody. Okayest <laughs> Yeah, all these buttons. Oh I don't remember God. which one does which. I don't push them that many. I only push like a couple usually. Yeah. Well, I meant to just make that a nice okay as Hunter sound effect, but I botched that just as much as you did in the in yeah. the kayak. But that double one hung on there for you. Didn't like loop around or fill up or your bow is safe. Obviously, you had it the whole time. Yeah. You know what? At one point, I almost thought about cutting that loose to see if it would help me get to shore. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'll buy you another one. <laughs> buy a new kayak, buy a new boat, buy a new stand. I didn't care. I just wanted to get to shore. And I was stuck in the middle of the river. That's it was rough. bad. Yeah. I've only ever done, well, that's not entirely true. Up to last season, I've only ever done canoe hunts, but I've always had another person with me because I was like, no way I'm paddling a canoe by myself if I don't have to. It's a bigger vehicle in comparison to the kayak. And you get one oar on, on a side at a time. Rather than the, the kayak, you can really kind of, you know, do that whole whatever I'm doing with my hands. Kind of <laughs> kayak paddles are different than canoe paddles. Yeah. But I hiked up that yeah. river this last season. Uh, I that was pretty nice. And the, for the second oxbow I got to, I, I had a doe. I was like, kind of like, he was like, holy shit, this might actually work. There's a freaking deer right there already. And I've barely even begun. So, then, you know, at that point, I was kind of loud crashing through stuff. I cut through the first oxbow because um, there's a blowdown in the river there. And then that doe was like, whoa, what's this? And she did the white head wobble and she stared at me for a while. I was like, this ain't going to happen. I'm not going to shoot her. I can't, there's no, she's too locked on me. So that was kind of, eventually I just said, forget this. I'm done with the staring contest. I'm going to keep moving on and let her run off. And so then every oxbow I approach after that, I arrow knocked. I'm, I'm like walking like an Indian <laughs> through this river thinking I'm going to, I'm going to freaking slay a buck right here in the water, chest deep. <laughs> it didn't happen that way. Clearly. So but it could have. I got really say, good. Though, like water access like that is is amazing. I mean, one scent control to the, the no stealth approach to get into where you're going. I mean, the only thing like I've noticed with like since then, I've switched to a canoe with a square transom on it and an outboard. And now I don't worry about that stuff too much anymore. Um, and I can I could really get into where I want. I thought about getting a boat, but sometimes with, you know, rivers get low and creeks and I could, you could take that canoe just about anywhere and go in about three, four inches of water. It, it's definitely a game changer for sure. But I mean, just so many things about water access make it amazing, but I have learned that placement of where you put it often can affect. Cause like this year I had some does blowing and I don't know if it was the sun glaring off my outboard or they smelled the gas, but they, they were approaching towards me and they must've caught that crosswind and, uh, they, they were out of there in a matter of seconds as soon as they smelled that, that boat. So you got to kind of be really aware of where you put that boat. Maybe a trolling motor, a high powered trolling motor on a canoe might be. Then you got the weight of the battery. Weight of the battery, unless you stealth, go you're quieter. Lithium and, battery, which will cost you as much as the canoe does. When I took the canoe down this <laughs> one, there's another guy or two guys coming in a, a boat with an outboard. And we heard him come for a long time, but they were going exactly where we were going. And they were like, props, you guys beat us here in a canoe. So it's yours. <laughs> yeah, and we that's awesome. A real nice buck. And uh, he never came. The buck never came back. And I was actually almost thinking for half a second, like, shit, 
these guys are going to continue upriver. Maybe they might, they might bump that buck back towards us. So then I was like pretty jacked for that entire set. Like this could happen. And this might work in our favor that these guys showed up uh, and it, it didn't. As far as I'm concerned, the buck never showed back up. He was gone. He worked his way into some private land and said out of here. But when he bumped up, when we were turning the bend. That was another lesson of like, you got to be really quiet. Every oxbow is an opportunity to shoot a deer. And here in Wisconsin, it is perfectly legal to shoot them from the canoe if you can pull it off. And it oh, would have been awesome. a 15-yard shot. I've looked this up in the regs. Um, it is totally doable. How you go about retrieving that deer, depending on what property it's on, is a different story. But you can definitely shoot them that way. Um, if it's a non-motorized is the catch. So oh. I think that I think gas powered or motorized, I don't know how far that goes into the definitions of like motorized, a trolling or not. Motorized regardless. But we were full paddle. Uh we, we had no motor in the canoe or anything. And and that buck stood up. He was big. He was really big and he he got the hell out of here. So I, I think at that point we were hunting fairly late. There was snow on the ground and stuff, and it was uh I think he had been pressured pretty heavily to this oxbow from a lot of other hunters on the piece of public that were accessing it from the parking lot. And so then he's getting it from this side. And I think he's just like, man, that buck is, I think he was just at his wits end or something like that. He was trying to hunker down and he couldn't even get a spot over there. We bumped him up, but if we had been quieter and ready, if you'd be at, you know, necessarily not necessarily full draw, but if you're like ready to be at full draw around every turn and quiet as a mouse or quieter, you might have some real cool shot opportunities at something. If you can pull it off standing awesome. in a canoe, with you, although you'd, you'd want to have like, a flat bottom or something. Yeah. Well, These that's like, things that yeah. <laughs> like, that that's like the canoe I've got though. It, it's uh relatively wide and semi flat on part of it because of the square transom on the back. You yeah. actually can, you can stand up in it. In fact, last year, uh, the buck that I took, I took it. I used that canoe to get in there and had to push pull because the water was so low every morning push pulled in there to a couple different spots, got in there, got set up, took them. It's real cool. I actually got a picture of them in the boat, you know, taking them out. That was like a goal of mine is to get a deer in that boat. But from now on, I think I'm not going to drag deer anymore. That's to me, it's crazy. If I can put on a pack, you know, I've, I've got a great full frame pack that I can just put that deer in. So I carried a whole, whole doe out this year. And, uh, I, I kind of plan on doing that from now on. Cause it just makes life so much easier sure yeah dragging a deer is a lot of work mm -hmm. oh a, yeah it's grind but oh no that's a good story uh you're right for sharing that one with us it sounds like <laughs> you, more. you know you'll probably be back on here at some point in time we're not going anywhere <laughs> you're either and if you're ever if you want to hunt up here with us uh, getting a tag for wisconsin as an out-of-state i don't think it's too expensive no, uh, it's not, not like us going the other direction so if you ever want to hunt with us we'll find some property to put you on and we'd be happy to have you along for any hunts yeah you bet. i think the first timer stuff. they give you a, don't they give you a big break or something like that as a first timer too yeah i know they they give you a really nice break on a on a tag here That's yeah for stuff. sure man yeah how do you find your podcast where can they find you um you can find me pretty much on any streaming platform spotify stitcher apple whatever itunes podcast all that good stuff amazon music uh youtube you can find it and uh on instagram at publicly underscore challenged cool. i think there's a facebook thing too it's not really my jam but i think it's out yeah. there most folks are in most places you want to be you know meet people where they are and people use different platforms for different reasons so we're we're similar to you there but also, also live one, oh go ahead one please. thing wait, real quick um I'm doing a 12 days of giveaways. 
right that's now. right oh my god Got thank you for really mentioning. cool stuff so yeah uh, anybody wants to get in on that uh a lot of a lot of generous people that i've met over the you know the course of doing the podcast and just honestly great companies that i wouldn't even ask or do anything like that if it wasn't something that i truly believed in so check it out some really cool stuff and uh, hopefully some people win there's going to be winners drawn every day sometimes multiple winners and uh you've got like five to eight days left i don't know something like that it starts on the 12th so whatever today is i don't even know how do you enter so you go on instagram just follow the companies that i have listed and uh tag tag some friends so they can join in too cool easy enough yeah those yeah. giveaways right. they're they're a lot of work i i'm aware we we turn our <laughs> them. so just a few it's it's hard you gotta <laughs> You got to talk a lot of people. You got to pony up some cash in some cases, you know, and everyone's giving away things for free. They'll do it for cost or discount, but then you got to keep track of everyone that tags people and write it all down. And Jen, there's a lot you got to do there. So um, thanks for doing that for everybody, especially on the holiday season. That's pretty great. And you're right. The prizes yep. are, some are pretty, pretty damn good. Yep. All right, man. It's been good. Keep in touch. We will. Absolutely. We will. It sounds like we're going to be doing some hunting at some point together, but uh, we'll end the live broadcast. Thanks everybody that tuned in, commented and shared uh, in, in the commentary, no calls came through. It's totally fine. We didn't have a lot of room for, for calls. Conversation was flowing real nice and, uh, this will be posted this evening. So stay tuned. See ya. All right. Just a couple quick announcements here as we wrap up. Thanks. If you made it this far into the show all the way to the end, we appreciate you. You're one of our loyal listeners. And if you're listening after hearing the live feed, a double dose, you're glutton for, uh, okayness. Uh, we just pulled the trigger on some upgraded equipment. So soon, I don't know if it'll happen uh, by the next episode, by next Tuesday or the following Tuesday. Um, we just got some additional video equipment. So our live stream broadcast will be improved. So instead of looking at a room of Greg and I and Derek, whoever our guest is talking, um, you'll be able to see each person's face as they're talking. And if no one is talking and we're just listening to our guests, you'll see us just kind of sitting there. So that's exciting for us. We're happy to get that all set up and uh, engineered and working. Uh, additionally, we, we got a mobile setup too, because we're doing some trade shows this year and doing more traveling stuff. Obviously uh, I would went to Pennsylvania uh, not that long ago. And we done some events with HHA for their veteran hunt for HHA USA, I should say, and packing up this roadcaster pro and all this stuff is a bit clunky. So um, it'd be nice to keep this stationary in here and then have a mobile setup. Honestly, it's funny because we're mobile hunters, but having a mobile podcast set up for traveling events and things like that will be kind of nice too. So um, just trying to improve things and, and make a better experience for you, our listeners and our viewers. Um, you know, we really believe in trying to reinvest in things. So as we get partnerships or um, people that support us through our uh, okshunterpodcast.com page, there's a $5 thing there if you want to throw some money at us for beer <laughs> or improvements. That's what we're using it for. Just want to say thanks to everybody that listens to the show. We got a lot of feedback um, we get in a lot of engagement on things and it sounds like we're doing a lot of good things. That's really relatable. And we want to keep doing that kind of stuff. So if there, there's any, ever anything you want to hear more from us about or less from us about, let us know. We're really open to feedback and we want to do more of what people like. The call-ins have been great. We have really appreciated that too. So we're, there's more that we're going to be looking at doing and deploying in 2022 in addition to our in-person events. So just want to jump on to give that announcement. Uh, we'll be in Casanova, 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 uh, Casanova, Wisconsin this Sunday. Greg and I are driving up to do a doe hunt for Doug Dern's Doe Derby and uh, see if we can't help control the population and get some venison in my freezer because it's been a pretty lackluster year. Um, so anyway, that's 
some of uh, the happenings here at the OKS Hunter podcast. I wanted to jump on and, and share something with everybody. So if you're in Casanova, stop by, say hi. And uh, otherwise, we'll see you guys around. We'll be recording all the way through up to Christmas and a break after Christmas before New Year's and then back on in the new year. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day and uh, never pass. <laughs>